Welcome to B2B Writing Success, the podcast on building a thriving business as a business-to-business writer or copywriter. B2B Writing Success is brought to you by American Writers and Artists, Inc. Now here's your host, copywriting expert and business coach, Steve Slonwhite. Hello, fellow B2B writers and copywriters. I hope you had a great week with your business, or I should say great three weeks because we actually took this podcast down for about three weeks to do an overhaul, to do a makeover. And it was actually based on feedback from you, the listeners. I've, I've, I've been getting a lot of feedback over the past several months that uh, we should be doing more interviews. We should be hearing from more people besides just me on this podcast. So what we decide to do is incorporate more interviews on the B2B Running Success podcast, more interviews with experts in the field, more interviews with uh, writers and content writers in the B2B field, whether they're just starting out or they're experienced professionals. Uh, you can learn from a variety of perspectives and also from experts and authors and thought leaders outside of the field, but people who uh, perhaps have uh, something they can contribute to help us out as B2B writers and copywriters. So that's the new format, and I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you like it and if you have any more suggestions. And we're going to get started with an interview for this podcast. And the, uh, the way this interview came about is this. I've been getting a lot of questions from writers and content writers. And one particularly discouraging question I get a lot is, where are the high-paying gigs? Where are the high-paying B2B content writing, copywriting projects? And I've had a lot of, uh, not a lot, but a, a few listeners come to me and say, wow, Steve, I've been slugging it out at these low-paying projects. I'm having trouble finding clients that will pay a professional rate. Where are these clients? How do I get these clients? Well, to help us um, to help us navigate through that question and to come up with some tips and strategies and techniques that are practical and that could help you, I invited on the show someone you're probably very familiar with, Ed Gandia. Now, Ed and I go way back. Uh, we co-authored a book together along with Pete Savage a few years ago called The Wealthy Freelancer. And Ed has since that time become one of the, I think, good guys in this industry. Uh, he's an excellent uh, business coach for copywriters and content writers. And he's very passionate about it. He knows this stuff. And I think he has a lot to contribute on this particular topic. So I got Ed on the phone. We had a conversation about the topic of getting better paying gigs and, and, and how content writers and copywriters can position themselves and market themselves and, and do other things in order to get better paying gigs. So without further ado, uh, let's get into that interview with Ed Gandia. Welcome, Ed Gandia, to the BDB Writing Success Podcast. Great to have you. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be here. Good. And what we're talking about today, Ed, is um, getting higher paying projects, getting getting better paying gigs. I want to kick this off with, with a question that I get asked, more of a complaint than a question. I get asked by uh, more than a few writers. And that is they complain that, you know, hey, there's, you know, where are the high paying clients? There's just no high paying clients anymore. Um, yet, you and I, Ed, know that that's not the reality. We know that we know writers, dozens of writers, some of them even just starting out very new, who are are getting well-paying gigs. So in your opinion, what's going on? Why do so many writers struggle with getting high-paying gigs or come to believe that there just isn't any high-paying clients out there that they can find? 
You're right. It's a very common concern. And I, I think the best way to think about this is something that you actually formulated a few years back, Steve. And uh, I think we were calling it the freelance value pyramid or something along those lines. And um, that's always stayed with me because I think if you understand that the market is not just one market, but, but in, it has several segments, uh, then you can better see where to start looking for them. So at the bottom of the pyramid, if you can just imagine that, the base of the pyramid, that's the bargain basement section of the market. And that's where a lot of writers find themselves, uh, just struggling there with clients who just don't value what they're doing. And they're offering extremely low fees and rates, and you can't get what you want. Um, but you have to understand that's just that's that's only part of the market. Now, of course, because it's at the bottom of the pyramid, it's a huge segment of the market, of course, but it doesn't mean that there are not others. The section above that, I call it the vendor market. Uh, so again, think of the pyramid, that's going to be a smaller segment of the market. Vendor, I call it vendor because you're treated like a vendor. So it's better than bargain basement. Um, the fees are a little bit better. But um, you're still going to be treated as kind of a commodity. The, the client's going to be shopping around. Uh, they may not go after the, the, the lowest bidder every time, but it's still, they're still going to be very price sensitive. And many times, you know, you want to work your way out of bargain basement. The next logical step is that vendor segment. Um, but I, I find that the sweet spot is one level above that, and that's the trusted advisor segment of the market. And that's where your clients aren't looking for the lowest cost provider. They're looking for someone who they can partner up with. Um, and, and that's really where things start to get a lot more fun, interesting, and that's where you can start commanding higher fees. The, the, the section above that, the top of the pyramid, I'm not really going to talk too much about, but that's the rock star uh, area in the segment. And, you know, you, you get there by spending some time in the trusted advisor segment. Um, and only a few people end up there, but you don't need to go there. You can make a really, really good six-figure income at the trusted advisor level. And just to, just to kind of explain like how you get there, it's really simple, Steve. As you know, you need to go after clients who are selling products and services. And this comes from Gordon Graham that are innovative, expensive, and complex. At least two out of those three. If you can't find two out of those three elements in what they're doing, they're going to be a bargain basement or a vendor type client. Yeah, something to keep in mind that, that like you said, that trusted uh, advisor level uh, is, is the sweet spot. And, but you know, when you're a trusted advisor for a client and you work with them for a while, uh, you do become kind of a rock star to that client, don't you? I mean, they, you uh, they, they trust you so much that in, in their eyes, you, you are their go-to expert and they really don't even consider working for someone else. So uh, that, that's a sweet spot uh, for that reason as well. Um, so just, just, just to review, so we have that pyramid. You can imagine it as a house, the bargain basement, vendor, trusted advisor, and then the rock star at the top. And you want to get at, the, at least the vendor and, uh, and the sweet spot is the trusted advisor. I just want to say one thing about that bargain basement area is that it has a lot to do with positioning as well. Uh, when you're positioned, when you're in that bargain basement, it's kind of like quicksand. You know, it's hard to get out of. You're, you're positioned as this cheap writer, as this affordable writer. You may even start getting referrals from clients saying, hey, I, I heard, you know, someone calls you and says, hey, I, I heard from Joe, one of your clients, that you're really uh, inexpensive and affordable. I want to work with you. <laughs> and it attracts like-minded clients, right? Uh, 
Oh, it does. So you want to get out of that bargain basement if you're in it as quickly as possible and at least get to that venture floor. So that's a great analogy, Ed. Uh, and that leads us to the to the next question, next thought is, uh, and it came to mind to me is when I heard this quote many years ago, some smart person once said that if you want to charge professional rates, you need to look the part. In other words, um, you need to position yourself, present yourself, brand yourself in a way that people, when people encounter you on your website or talk to you in person, they get a sense that you are a serious professional. Um, how important is that, Ed, to uh, getting better paying gigs? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. Uh, in fact, that's uh, that's where I ask writers to really start is to look at their positioning. Positioning, quite simply, is the perception you create in the marketplace, right? And there are four elements to it. It's really defining, getting really clear about what you do, for whom, so what market you serve, what makes you different from most, and why those differences would matter to that target market. Um, and in the mistake most writers make is their positioning is not clear or creates a different perception than what they're trying to go after. Uh, so therefore clients don't see them um, as, you know, again, that trusted advisor, they, they kind of see them more, they attract the wrong segments. They attract the vendor or the bargain basement because they're trying to widen. They're, they're trying to cast a wide net and say, I'll write anything for anyone or something along those lines, instead of just kind of driving that stake in the ground and saying, this is where I shine. This is where I add the most value. Yeah. And I like your definition of, of uh, positioning is what you do with whom, uh, how you're different and why that different matters, that difference matters. Uh, there's a, a great copywriter, uh, Susan Green. And uh, I think she's been in the business for over 30 years. And on her website, I noticed she really does a good job at, at those last two parts, why she's different and why it matters. And she talks about the fact that she's full-time professional. She's not someone who's, who's uh, writing as a side hustle, you know, and, and her project experience, how many websites she's done, how many email campaigns she's written and things of that, that nature. And, uh, you know, a lot of her website is, is about differentiating herself from other, other copywriters and really, uh, really setting herself apart and, and standing out in that way. So she has a really good job of positioning. So that differentiation, I, I think, is, is really important these days. I also think, um, I think you'll agree that, that your presentation as well, your branding, the way your, your website looks, the way your picture looks on your LinkedIn profile, like things like that. They don't need to be glossy and fancy and perfect, but they need to communicate that you are a, uh, you are that kind of trusted advisor writer. You are a professional offering professional services. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I would say with caution though, when you're starting out, um, that does not need to be your number one goal. So um, I'm a huge believer in ready, fire, aim, right? So let's let's get some activity going. Let's get some momentum and let's course correct and refine as we go. And I say that just because we writers tend to be uh, perfectionists, number one, number two, procrastinators. In the striving to create that kind of perception um, on our website will will give people an excuse to keep procrastinating because the website's not ready. It's not quite right. It's not, and you know, a year has gone by and you still haven't started looking for clients. So just proceed with caution. I think it's, there comes a 
there, there's a time to do that, but there's also a time to create some activity first. So you can actually justify um, improving what you have. Yeah, those, those are good points, Ed. Uh, and by the way, these days, uh, getting a really good looking website up is is pretty straightforward. There's so many good templates out there um, that you could use and so many options for putting a, a really good looking website together that it's, it's not nearly the issue it was just even just five years ago. Um, now, now um, let's take a look at this from the uh, client's perspective, prospect's perspective. Um, what are good paying clients, um, you know, clients that have an innovative product or service or a complex product or service or, or an expensive product or service, though that criteria, uh, what are good paying clients uh, with decent budgets looking for in, in a writer? When they're looking around and they need help with an email campaign or a white paper, what are they, what are they looking for in your opinion? Well, there, there's several things, and in no particular order, they're obviously looking for solid writing, right? So they 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 need someone who can write well, write clearly, um, and seems like they they can meet their goals in terms of their 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 ability to to write. Uh, that's that goes without saying, though. But I, I find that a lot of writers kind of overdo that, and there's kind of a threshold old it's like you're in the dance you know you're in the dance and now it's okay now you got to find a dance partner um and this is where things start getting really interesting um you they're looking for writers who are more than just writers uh, they're looking for writers who understand their business uh, or can pick it up very quickly and can understand the markets they're going after so they're looking for nuanced skills, experience, background. For instance, if you work 22 years in the public education system, uh, it, like that is invaluable. And, and the reason that is so valuable to a client is that nobody can teach you that overnight. Now, you can learn a lot of things very quickly, especially in terms of the craft of writing. But that experience, 22 years in the public education system, like that took 22 years. You have the scar tissue to prove it, right? So that is, I think, one of the things that we as writers don't leverage enough. Um, and then there's another area. So we talked solid writing, um, that nuanced background and experience. And I, I think that the next one is just being easy to work with. Um, so someone who can is, is dependable, is a joy to work with, always delivers on time every time. Now, these are things that are harder to prove uh, early on when you're trying to get that client, but this is something you can earn in terms of your reputation. And I find that this is something that is underrated. Uh, this is something most writers don't really pay too much attention to. Um, and it is absolutely key, especially when we're talking about business to business uh, clients, right? They, they really want something they can depend, someone they can depend on, someone who's a joy to work with. And that alone will overcome maybe some shortcomings in, in other areas. Yeah, I think this is especially true if you're working with marketing managers, marketing directors of companies, mm -hmm. is that they're under so much pressure. They want to work with uh, a writer who is easy to work with, who they can get a hold of, who gets back to them quickly via email when they send in an inquiry or ask a question. That's certainly on time and meets deadlines. They don't want any problems because they got so many things on the go already. And, and so much at stake when they're putting together a campaign or updating their company's website or whatever the project may be, that they just don't want to tolerate working with a writer that is difficult. 
You know, they want to work with someone who's really easy to work with, good to work with, and they they place a high value on that. They become very, very loyal to that writer if they're that kind of writer, I find. Oh, yeah. That's a great place to be. Now, uh, here's something that I've noticed. It's a, tr- you know, it's, I guess it's always been around, but it's a trend I've noticed with a lot of perhaps more experienced writers um, over the past couple of years, and that's publishing your rates on your website. I know, I know Gordon Graham, that white paper guy, has published his prices on his website for years. Um, what is your take on that? Is there, is, does that play any role at all in getting better paying clients, you think? I've gone back and forth on this over the years, and it was always kind of an it depends question. But now let me just give you a straight answer. Um, Generally speaking, I would say that if you're either launching right now or in the early stages of your business, let's say your first year or so, uh, I would say don't publish your rates. And the reason is at that point in your career, you're going to be much more flexible and open to negotiating with a client. So you want to get the opportunity to have a conversation with that prospect and see if you can work something out. However, as your business grows and your fees go up, uh, you're not going to be, you're not going to want to talk to everybody and you want to kind of screen out prospects who are just simply not going to be able to afford uh, your fees. So at that point, it makes much more sense to publish your rates. Having said that, I do believe that you have to be careful at that stage and not necessarily publish everything because you still want to have a discussion with the right prospects about the value you bring to the table and provide the right context for that. One way around that is just to maybe give people an idea of where your rates or your fees start. If you can do that, you'll accomplish the goal here of just filtering out prospects who simply are never going to become uh, clients. So yeah, when you're starting out early days, don't publish, get an opportunity to have that discussion later on publish because you're just not going to have the time to qualify everybody and it's better they pre-qualify themselves. Yeah, it certainly helps after you become established. I know there's a lot of uh, established writers do that. They, they don't quote a, a necessarily a fixed price, but they do, you know, websites starting at $2,000 and up. And, and they yeah. use that strategy to kind of publish their pricing and give their prospects kind of an idea of, of where they are professionally. Um, and I think they do that for two reasons. I think number one, it, it kind of shoes away the uh, prospects looking for cheap writers. Okay, it because, uh, and you know, if, if they're busy, and, and they're, and they have lots of clients already, they, they don't want to spend time with with those types of prospects. But also, I think it helps brand and position uh, those writers as, as more of, of a, an experienced professional, more at that trusted advisor level, as, as you say, or maybe even the rock star level. But you're absolutely right. When you're starting out, you know, you're going to be much more flexible. When I started out, I was certainly very, very flexible about rates. I said, you know, I needed clients in cash, like anybody who starts out in the business. So I said yes to almost, I, I was pretty much open to almost anything as long as the check was good. <laughs> so yeah. I tried to negotiate the best rate I could, but I wanted experience, build my portfolio. I was willing to, uh, to be very flexible in order to get the clients and cash coming in. And then I built from there. So I think that's a, that's a good strategy. Um, well, let's talk for a moment, uh, talk about that, that crucial moment when you're, when you're in a conversation with a prospect about a project. Let's say it's about a, uh, a website makeover or a white paper. And of course, that question will always come up. The prospect is always going to ask, okay, how much is this going to cost or how much do you charge? 
you know, what is the best way to approach answering that question? You know, it depends on when in the conversation it's come up. And for, for many writers, the, the, the biggest uh, moment when it does come up is early on. You get an email inquiry. Uh, hey, we need this. How much do you charge for that? Um, my advice there is try to get that prospect to a phone conversation. It's really hard to do this over email. Um, and the way I say it is, look, it depends on the specifics. I'd like to learn a little bit more about what you're looking for uh, so I can give you something that's you know useful to you in terms of a, of a quote. Um, if you are, however, already in a conversation with a prospect, um, I, I have a process that, that really provides the right context for that value. So my advice, and you know, there's a lot of detail to it, but my advice would be to don't have the money discussion until the end because you, you don't have that context yet. First, find out what their problem is, their challenges, why it's an issue, uh, what they're looking for, how they're looking to approach the project, then get into timing when you're looking to get this done, why, um, and then kind of get a feel for what they've tried in the past, right? What has worked, what hasn't worked, what's missing here. Um, and then let's talk money. So if they want to talk money first, then just gently say, you know, absolutely, I'd like to talk about that, but I need to learn a little bit more about your situation. And you are, but what you're also doing at the same time is providing the context. And that context comes from them answering the questions. By them answering the questions, you know what they're doing? I kind of think of it as a table. They're putting all this stuff on the table. And then once all that stuff is exposed on the table, you can then pull out this quote or this fee, this, this ballpark figure. And now it's in the right context of this other stuff that put on the table. So that's kind of how I think about it visually. And then, and only then does it make sense to evaluate that and whether or not they can afford it and they're willing to go with it. Because without that context, a fee may not really give them an accurate picture. They're just looking at a number. So yeah, just whenever you can, as best you can, try to create that context so that the fee can be received in the best possible uh, light. I really like that visualization, Ed, of the table, because in a sense, if they ask for a price really early on, there's nothing on the table. You're not showing your product, right? There's nothing there, really, because you haven't communicated. You haven't talked about what you offer and what you do and how you can help. And um, But if you're, you're right. If you, if you simply say to your prospect, well, Mr. Prosser, let me ask you a few questions first, and then we and then I, I can I can better talk to you about how much it's going to cost, and then ask those questions. Just like you say, you're you're putting your value on the table so they can see it and get a sense of it, and get a sense of what you do and what you offer and how you can help. And then when you start talking about price, then the your prospect is it can put it in context immediately and connect the great value you offer with the price. Yeah, and if they, if they don't want to like go that, for it or they can't. If they can't or they, then that's fine. But at least you've done the best possible job. You've increased your chances of, uh, of getting a yes or at least starting some kind of negotiation. Now, when you present your price, however you present your price, um, you know, sometimes a prospect, even though, even if they're a qualified prospect, sometimes they'll say, ouch, that's way beyond our budget, way beyond our expectations, way too high. Um, What's the best way to react in a situation like that when you when you quote a reasonable price and and the the prospect says, "Oops, too high." Yeah, I'm a big believer in not 
to not be confrontational at that point. So a lot of writers will get offended or they'll get frustrated. You know, you need to kind of calm down, take a, take a breath and, and just throw it back at them is what I do. Uh, so I'll say, well, Steve, I can respect that, right? So notice there's no confrontation there. Mm-hmm. I can respect that. Um, so let me ask you, what what budget are you working with? Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of thinking about playing ball and I've tossed the ball back at them. And I mean, they kind of have to respond with something. If they said it's too much, then obviously they have something in mind. Um, so I need to understand that. And then once I know what they've got to work with, then we can maybe enter a negotiation of some sort. Maybe we can do, I can offer less. Maybe we can trim this. Um, maybe I can look at it a little bit differently. Okay. But the, the other thing going back to that table metaphor is, uh, at some point you may realize that you may have to remind them of what's on the table. Okay, you talked about this, this, and this, and this, and why that's important to you and why that's valuable. And here's what I bring to the table, and here's you know what makes me different. So this is where highlighting your value and your differentiators, you know, we talked about positioning earlier, mm-hmm. is so key. And then along with that, I really like to do something that I don't think a lot of people are doing, and that's to hit on risk. Especially in the business-to-business world, a marketing manager or marketing director is taking a risk hiring a writer. Because, sure, your white paper case study may not really impact results directly. It may be indirectly, but they have a window to get this done. And if you screw it up and they've just wasted three or four weeks with you, um, now they're really in trouble. What is the cost or the risk of that? And if you can kind of highlight that in a gentle way and remind them you're not going to take that risk with me because I have this background, this experience, and so forth – you are now, again, going back to the table, you are highlighting some of the things you've put on the table in the context of what they want and what's important to them. And many times the fee becomes a non-issue because they understand that the risk is, um, is really the, the biggest factor here. Uh, that, that's a great tip, Ed. I think a lot of writers don't think of that. Don't think of of, the, of risk and the fact you're helping reduce the risk for your client and building confidence that they're hiring the right writer. Again, I go back to uh, marketing directors, especially um, because they're they're very risk adversive. They're they're nervous when they hire someone new um, because there's a lot on the line for them. I mean, if if uh, if uh, a white paper or an email campaign or a website content makeover, whatever the project is, it doesn't go well, if it goes rocky because mm-hmm. they've hired the wrong writer, it's kind of all on them. You know, so this, this, uh, this risk message, reducing the risk, is, is particularly important, I think, if you're targeting marketing directors of uh, mid-sized or larger companies. Ed, uh, listen, these have been fantastic tips on, on getting higher paying paying projects. Uh, Lots of valuable information here for our listeners. Thank you so much. Um, Is there any other, any final tip you wanted to, to leave uh, our listeners with? Yeah. um, So first of all, thanks for having me, Steve. This is great. I love talking about this stuff. Some good value here for listeners. I, I would leave you with this is um, I think everyone listening needs to make a commitment to start going after hungrier segments 
from hungrier markets. I read an article a few years ago about this uh, dietitian who was struggling to make you know, a decent living working for individual clients. And with the same set of skills and training that she had already had, shifted to work for corporate clients. And she was basically now using those same skills to write white papers, doing research reports for a lot of pharmaceutical firms. I think it was one of her markets that she shifted to. And she was able to increase her income by three, four, five times just by taking what she already knew and then going after a market that was much hungrier, that was willing to pay um, much higher fees. So again, that trusted uh, trusted advisor uh, or trusted partner level. So I, you don't need to necessarily change your target market or your niche to do this. It's really about thinking through, okay, who you're going after and what is a hungrier segment of the market that I'm going after? Because let me tell you, you'll many times find you can get two, three times the fees you're getting right now just by shifting your efforts toward that segment of, of that market you're going after. Excellent, Ed. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. All right. Ed and I covered a lot of tips on how to get bigger, better paying clients, better gigs, higher paying gigs. Um, and you might be uh, tempted to try to implement them all. But what I suggest you do, actually, is to take maybe one or two ideas that you think are good ideas, that you think is going to really help your business, and then work on implementing them. It's sometimes better to implement one good idea at a time than try to implement 10 good ideas and then end up getting stalled or procrastinating or confused and, and not doing anything. One or two good ideas at the time. That's what I recommend. And by the way, Ed has a great podcast himself called High Income Business Writing. I suggest you check it out on iTunes. So that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you like it. I hope you like the new interview format. If you have any suggestions, uh, please uh, get hold of me. I'm easy to reach, steveslonwhite at gmail.com. And as a reminder, you can always go to b2bwritingsuccess.com for recordings of previous podcasts or and or uh, a load of other resources that could help your B2B writing or copywriting business. So until next week, I'm Steve Slomwhite. Have a great week. I will talk to you next time. We hope you enjoyed this edition of B2B Writing Success with Steve Slomwhite. For more tips on building a thriving B2B writing business, visit www.b2bwritingsuccess.com.